Dotnet Rocks, episode 1072, with guest Shay Friedman. Recorded Wednesday, December 3rd, 2014. Welcome back to Dotnet Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. This is Richard Campbell. And we're in the Fishbowl at NDC London. Uh, we're going to be doing quite a few shows from here. Yeah, I like it here. Yeah, good shows we always get here. It's nice. And the food here is pretty good. I, I'm really excited about NDC. It's growing. They got twice as many people this year as they did last yeah, year. Yeah, maybe more. But uh, the whole Norwegian Developers Conference in London throws people. It's the new Developers Conference. Yeah, so they changed the name, did they? Well, for this show, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still the NDC. It's, it's the NDC. All right. Acronyms are malleable. That's right. Hey, man, let's roll the music for Better No Framework. I think awesome. you're going to like what I got. All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, today I found the probably the coolest web app I've ever seen. Oh. This is, uh, if you go to tinyurl.com slash web photo edit. Oh, yeah. You get this, uh, it, it's kind of like Photoshop, but it's in a browser. No. Yeah. So you can open an image from your computer. Check it out. I'm doing this right now, as you see. And uh, you get this nice looking interface where I can, you know, select areas. I can paint. I can it's crop. An M- it's an I MDI can, app, right? Multiple document it, interface app. It's a multiple document interface, web-based, floating windows, tool palette, dropper, text, move, like everything that you can do. I can't say everything you can do, but your basic photo editor. Nice. Right in the browser. And it's really cool. That is hard to argue with. You've got layers. You've got adjustments. You've got filters like blur, Gaussian blur, sharpen, noise, diffuse, scan lines, halftone, pixelate, pointalize. I can draw a mustache on Shea Friedman's Water swirl, pastels, glamour, glow. Um, It goes on and on and on. Embossing, engraving. Like all the stuff that you can. It's better than paint. Certainly better than paint, yeah. Yeah. It's not much of an achievement, but... Well, you know, but... But but it's a real app. It's a real app. And and it's in a browser. And it's in a browser, and it begs the question, you know... Uh, it just it just elicits a wow from yeah. me. That's all. I'm t- I am wowed. I'm gonna I'm gonna start using that for editing the. Uh, the uh, why wouldn't you? Our speaker and photos, the yeah. bio photos. Why right. not? I mean, I basically have Photoshop on all my machines. Or Paint Shop Pro is an old one that right. I use. But just for basic cropping and resizing and stuff, that's easy to do because I know how to use it. And and that's uh, cool, man. I nice may one. Just give that up. I don't know. We'll see. I haven't really used it all that much, but I thought you might like to see it. So. And that's at tinyurl.com slash webphotoedit. And this is from uh, apps.pixlr.com, P-I-X-L-R.com slash editor. That's where that goes. Nice find. Yeah. So, know it, learn it, love it. Richard, who's talking to us today? Grabbed a comment off of show 1039, the one we did with Trevin Hetzel, where we talked about using more CSS and less JavaScript. Right. Remember, if you really know where you're on CSS, yeah. there's a whole bunch of capabilities there. And uh, Trevon's one of those guys. He's got this thing figured out. And, and Tom Kiefer had this great comment. He said, great discussion. It's amazing how much can be done largely or entirely with CSS and how easy it is to forget that, especially for those of us coming from a more imperative programming background. You almost said impaired. <laughs> well, <laughs> you could be impaired. You know, you know, we always go to the skills you've got, right? And here's yeah. this great tool that allows us to encapsulate functionality instead of writing all that JavaScript for it. It sure is interesting. 
Uh, Tom goes on to say, one interesting note about whether or not CSS-based solutions were as potentially reusable as ones written in JavaScript. It sounded like the general consensus was that when written well, they are. But this might also depend on a point of view of the question. For example, mm -hmm. when a behavior is implemented in JavaScript, the code actually performing the behavior is the JavaScript as executed by the browser. Mm. When a behavior is implemented in CSS, the code is actually performing the behavior is in the browser's rendering engine itself, mm -hmm. with the CSS declaring what behaviors to invoke when and how. I'd say that the browser's rendering engine is pretty reusable across pages. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, another perspective just tossed out for a great discussion. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Tom. It's nice to remember where those layers are. Yeah, and just a sort of recognition that they, and those are the things that are very well tested, right? You can count on the rendering engine mm -hmm. to have a very consistent set of behaviors. Mm -hmm. They benchmark those with the te with the uh, HTML5 test. Yep. So uh, I'm I'm really fascinated by this. It's not, and I'm, I got to admit, it's not that it means that I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, but I like this idea that you could take certain sets of functionality, put them in CSS. They're more abstracted and they're quite reusable. Yeah. So, Tom, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks .com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Android, for Windows 8, for iOS, and for Windows Phone 7 and 8. And that brings us to our guest today, Shai Friedman. That's S-H-A-Y. Shai Friedman is a visual C-sharp MVP and the author of Iron Ruby Unleashed. With more than 10 years of experience in the software industry, Shai now works in Code Value, a company he has co-founded where he creates products for developers and consults and conducts courses around the world about web development and dynamic languages. You can visit his blog at ironshy.com. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So we're talking about uh, web stuff today. We're talking about Chrome developer tools. And um, what got you into web stuff? And were you always a web guy, or did you start somewhere else? Well, I actually started working at about... 12, when I was 12. Oh, really? And Yeah, just for the fun of it. And what I started doing, it was about 20 years ago, so there was not a lot of internet at right. that time. So mm -hmm. what I started doing was building websites. And, um, this so is I like in the GeoCities era, if you're talking 20 uh, years yes, ago. Yes, exactly. Oh, no. Exactly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you made ugly web. <laughs> oh, I used so many and animated GIFs. <laughs> uh, marquee tags. Yes. yes. Blink <laughs> tags. Oh, Scrolling yeah. tags. The good yeah. old days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I moved from there. I actually had like a, a small site that I offered to build sites for people for free. Sure. So cool. when I was 12. So, wow. yeah. And so I built like 40 of them. When, nice. Yeah, wow. like 20 years ago. And uh, then I uh, got older and mm -hmm. I moved to not just HTML. So I started with classic ASP and Cold Fusion. Oh, yeah. If, if you remember that. I do. Which one first? Uh, Cold Fusion. All I right. Started so how, was ASP like a what <laughs> after um, Cold um, Fusion? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand anything. Right. Um, but, yeah, then I moved to Windows. Yeah. Just to write uh, um, C++ and .NET, okay. which was like, oh, oh crap, what, what, yeah, what, what have I done? <laughs> so you started in web, then yes. you went over to some client-side development. Yes, uh, mm. to, to desktop development. Right. And, and then in the last four or five years, uh, I'm doing just almost just web uh, mm -hmm. with backend, but, but almost just web, JavaScript, TypeScript. 
uh, HTML, CSS. But really, the HTML5 revolution brought yes. you back to web. Yes. That's yes. cool. Yeah, so, very cool. Um, yeah, and and I even if I want to do C sharp, there's so much work in in web now. So yeah. I just cannot do anything else. Yeah, there's demand. I mean, C sharp and JavaScript are huge demand languages these days. It's you're as busy as you want to be. Yeah. yeah. And I saw you nodding your head while I was reading that comment from Tom too about moving functionality to CSS. You buy into that idea? Yes. Yes. It's 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 easier said than done because. I agree. Uh, yes. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people don't have the skill set for this to to make this with CSS. Right. Such such an uh, enhanced um, way of working with CSS, but um, there is also the browser thing that, right. that right. browsers do not support some of this stuff. So, sure. So it will take a few years in order to get to that. Um, but I still believe JavaScript is uh, should be used mostly for most of the time, like, right. because once you start uh, putting behavior into CSS or or something that is similar to behavior, it's kind of make everything much less maintainable. Do you, have, do you think more than one place to look for yes. problems on your web page? Do you think CSS is at the right level of abstraction for most developers? Or do you think we could add another layer or something? I mean, because it, it is kind of difficult for, for people, but, you know, the people who learn it really can do it well. Yes, but I think there are much, too, too much obstructions on the web. Too many. Yes, um, yeah. too many obstructions, because think of it, if someone needs to do a desktop application, they need to learn, for example, C Sharp and, yep. and WPF, stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. On the web, you need to master, you need to master CSS, HTML, JavaScript, mm. maybe some more stuff. You need to understand the differences between browsers, and mm -hmm. and that's not it. You need to know the server as well. So sometimes you need to know C sharp, Java, stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have so many things that you need to learn. If you add something more, I think it's the critical mess. And when, once you go beyond this line, no one will ever be able to write another look website. At, look at C sharp and WPF, like you mentioned. Um, those are, have become pretty high-level tools, right? But HTML is HTML, CSS is CSS, and you can do anything you want when you have that level of control. But you could say the same thing about C++, but you don't see many people, as many people using it as you see Sharp. I think what we're going to see in like the near future is that there there are going to be frameworks or st or languages that are written on top of this thing, and you can see this already. Like yeah, less sure. for CSS or TypeScript Coffee and CoffeeScript for for JavaScript. So mm. I think these are going to be more and more high level. And you mentioned less for CSS. Yes. Tell me, tell me about that. Um, it's just like SCSS or uh, for uh, CSS and. It's just a, a superset mm -hmm. uh, of of CSS and allows you to do stuff that you cannot do with CSS because CSS is is nice. It's actually I I call it the most perfect uh, programming language ever mm -hmm. because it does exactly what it's supposed to do. Right. You're, you just write the definition and it's there, and that's it. But it doesn't mean it's easy to write the definition in the first place. Yes, and and there is no dy dynamic stuff into it. Right. You yeah. Just you cannot do anything dynamic. Right. Um, so, so less is just a superset that allows you to to be more dynamic and have like a kind of inheritance or mixings to okay. the language, and it adds features that are really missing, especially in big applications like variables. You would have thought that CSS would have variables, but 
course not. Mm-hmm. It's too hard or mm. something. I don't know. Or so, it's me- it never was meant to be a language. It was meant to be a way to manipulate the style, the just the visual like HTML. elements. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was never meant to to be used for applications. Sure. Yeah. No, it was not built for that, and it sort of stuck close to that root. The pr- programming part has been in JavaScript. I mean, yeah. back to your point about if it's a behavior, you probably want it in one place. Yeah. Yeah. And as less, you said it's a superscript, so it does still use all of the CSS. It compiles to CSS. Yeah, right? so and and it using less is like using CSS. What it's, you're saying. It's exactly the same it's thing. It's an extension. It, but yeah. you just yeah, you learn more stuff that uh, help you. So less is more. Apparently. <laughs> I think this is their their slogan, actually. Yeah. Is it really? I, no, I'm not sure. Oh, wow. This should be. Yeah. <laughs> That'll yes. be $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> Payable to Carl Franklin. Yeah. They so never pay me for it. What about these Chrome developer tools? You just did a session on this, and he, and he got a good response? Yeah, I got good good feedback on that. Um yeah, I I use Chrome for my development usually uh, when I don't need to uh, solve bugs on Internet Explorer or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, I mean, Internet Explorer has had all the F12 for a long time. It's sort of a really great set of dev tools. But, but and then that, Chrome was... came around and said, "We don't need no alts. We're just <laughs> you just hit F12, you're rolling." Uh, yes. Yes, it's progress. Well, they. I think. I think even now, uh, Chrome yeah. developer tools is just uh, two levels um, above Internet Explorer w- developer tools. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're still. They're, it's like a. It's a. It's a chase. They're, they're running after after Chrome. Which is good. I mean, look at how much better the browsers got when there was a duel between the IE team and the Chrome team. I mean, yes. it just ran away. I, yeah. I needed to fix a bug a few a few days ago with IE9. Oh no! And I opened the developer tools and I was shocked. Uh, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> this was like uh, now I understand how people in the Middle Ages did web development. <laughs> <laughs> the Middle Ages being the early two thousands. <laughs> Something like that. That's, oh my god! IE nine before yeah. the invention Ancient. of the wheel. Yeah. That, that was uh, I can't even describe that. So yeah. So there is a progress, definitely, right. even in IE, but it's still not there. I think Chrome is just uh, ahead. I, I'm, um, I'm not a big fan of Firefox, but yeah, Firefox it, is also uh, up there. The first time I saw really great inline diagnostic tools in my browser, it was Firefox with Firebug. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, that, to, that was a profound shift. This is a few years ago, but... That for that first time and why slow? I love why slow back in the day. <laughs> well, they they are uh, maybe they invented this this idea yeah. of, of the real dev tools because yeah. before that you had IE with this whatever that it was. It wasn't dev tools. It no, was but just you'd, you'd use like Fiddler or mm-hmm. there was a bunch of other tooling out there that yeah. would intercept the WinINet layer and allow you to see what the stream was and, and you yes. know be able to tinker with it to some degree. The fact that you built it into the browser, which is such a good idea. I mean, Firefox had other problems. Yeah, of course. But <laughs> as a web developer in that day, and that's only a few years ago, mm-hmm. you just had to have Firefox in yes. your toolkit. There was no yes. two ways about it. And, and I think this is uh, changing. Like there, there are still the the uh, fanboys that yeah. really love Firefox, and 
I appreciate them. <laughs> if yeah. that's fine uh, for them, uh, it's okay. But um, I, I really like Chrome. I, I've been using that for, for years now. So. And it's hard to argue with Chrome as a browser. I mean, it seems to be the reference browser these days for the, the digerati, the folks that are in, and the, it's, in the web loop. And it's also the, the choice of developers. I mean, you, how many times have you gone to a site that works in Chrome that doesn't in IE? Yeah. And that's amazing for me. That, this was exactly the opposite, like f- three years ago. It was, ago. Yes. right. Right, so, uh, and it's and it's kind of inexcusable, but I mean it is yes. the reality. Yes. And do you put the blame for that on Microsoft for not having keeping up with the developer tools, or the developers, or or both? I mean, you really have to do testing in both. Well, I think that Microsoft uh, had a lot of problems in the last few years. I think they're yeah. now starting to address each and every one of them, mm-hmm. and I think that they just didn't invest the right amount of money, people, resources into the dev tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, this this hurts them because the, the dev tools are not that good and the uh, um, actual Internet Explorer is still uh, be behind in terms of HTML5 um, uh, com- compliancy. Mm-hmm. Is that really true? I thought IE11 was like the most compliant HTML5 mm, browser now. No, no. Uh, just uh, there is a HTML5test.com. Right. Uh, you can see that, and and it's still behind and uh, behind all the major browsers. So uh, there there is still some way to go. There okay. they are progressing, so it's good. Yeah. And do you think? And I, I'm not. I'm just throwing this out there. But do you think that Microsoft might just want people to use Visual Studio, and maybe that's why they didn't put so many so I much think money into maybe, the dev tools? Maybe this was what they thought. Like that's a classic Microsoft yes, mistake, yes, you know. In the past, but I think that if this is what they thought, that it it has changed. Yeah. And now, now the uh, I guess IE twelve or whatever the next version will mm-hmm. be much better. Oh, that's good. Um, well, it that makes sense because Microsoft is changing so many ways. Th- they will have to find a way to help. Developers uh, make extensions for DevTools because mm-hmm. I think this is the key to feature in Chrome mm. uh, because the extensions are amazing. Yeah. And uh, right now, I don't know if you can, but if you can, it's very hard to create extensions for IE. I, I, I'm not sure if you actually can do that. I don't know either. Uh, so, so, yeah, th- th- this is one of the killer features there. And, and this is something that takes your... Um, platform forward, mm, right? And and IE was never good at that. Um, yeah, I mean Firefox did that originally, and yeah. to, to the point where it became a nightmare. I, I started <laughs> dreading opening. You know, it's like, oh, I got to do some web development. I'm going to open Firefox now so it can patch everything, <laughs> and I'll come back in an hour because it would just every time you touch Firefox, it was patching again. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It just uh, there are so many good things in Chrome in terms of extensibility. Right. People people write extensions for everything, so it doesn't matter what you work on, Angular or uh, Knockout or uh, Duranda or whatever. There is an extension just for that in the developer tools. Right. So it helps tremendously. <sighs> and and so that's the level we're getting at now. When you when you pop open that dev, dev tool window and it pops onto the right, not at the bottom. I mean, no, I know. Okay, <laughs> it's different. But and you tip, you've got the typical HTML stuff that I come to expect. My ability to inspect element that I can scroll around on the source and it's highlighting it on the actual page. Like that, none of that is a surprise to me. Every tool does that. Yes, but yeah, Chrome has the the small things that make it. Um, 
much more fun and much more uh, helpful and handy right. in writing in w when you debug or even create applications. Uh, it's um, we talked about the evolution of of dev tools and, yes. uh, and browsers and what I what we can see with at least Chrome is that it's becoming more and more of an IDE yeah. mm -hmm. of itself. Right. In a few years you will not need any other IDE to create front end development. Right. And this is a this is amazing because you never thought that this could happen. Right. Working within the browser. I mean it's edit and continue for web development. Yeah. Just and it's not a site that's an editor. It's built into the browser exactly yeah. and and you can uh, there there is a new feature uh, it's uh, it's been around for a while uh called workspaces in chrome um and what they do is they synchronize they say okay uh, this is your website and you say okay the, the website is actually uh hosted on my machine in this folder right and then whenever you open for example a javascript file it will open it from your local machine and so you can just uh, save it change it save it whatever mm -hmm. right when you save it it goes to the uh, file system mm -hmm. so you don't you never need to go out of dev tools right you could literally be repeatedly tweaking this page I, I, i'm just thinking about something like angular with its its constant interaction or knockout where you're doing binding and it's actually affecting its communication to the server. Um, How does that interaction work? It, it works perfect because usually in uh, in teams uh, there is this serv server team, or you're done. You're working on the server. You're done with that, right? And then you go to do the front end. Mm -hmm. So the server is the server, and then you work on the on the um, on the browser. You just write whatever you need, mm. and you hit a button, and it goes to the server, and you see everything goes live, right, uh, right before your eyes, and you change something in the middle. It's it's just amazing, and it helps so much because you never need to, you know, when you go back to your your um, IDE, you do like a small context switch in your head, right? Sure. You you miss where you were and stuff like that, and, yeah. And this never happens, so you are much more productive. So, and when you were editing this. HTML page on in your browser. You're just saving it locally, or you're actually pushing it back to the server. No, you save it locally. Right, and, um, then, and it just reruns it and reruns it. When you're finished with it, then you might push it back to the server. Yes, it's just live editing. Okay, and you mm -hmm. can you can edit uh, CSS, you can edit HTML, uh, JavaScript. Right. I got yeah from a from from an old VB developer's perspective. Sure, I loved edit and continue. Right, yeah. mm -hmm. that whole I write a little, run a little, write a little, run a little. Like there's least amount of time that I can be. In, Going that it takes to go around that loop. Yep. It's just I'm way more productive that way. I can tinker and tune and, and just get it right. And yes. then when it's finished, you know, when I'm happy with it, push it up. I'm really impressed with the the way that they can look into stacks and memory and the used JavaScript heap amount yeah. of memory. That, um, that that that's the that's a hard thing. I, I think this yeah. is a a lot of people need to go and, and look at the profiler. Mm -hmm. uh, because memory leaks in JavaScript is is always do you hear people say there yep. are no memory leaks in JavaScript. Oh, sure there are. But this is the I think the the program language with most uh, memory leaks ever. Well, and, yep. and the whole single page application. I thing. was just gonna say, Richard. Yeah, because that, that brings memory leaks into sharp focus. Yeah, because we don't worry about memory leaks in browsers because the page isn't around for more than a couple of minutes, and then you start doing this spa thing. Yeah, and suddenly the page is around for half an hour. And let me tell you, you leave a copy of Chrome open with almost any web page for half an hour, 
it just keeps eating more memory. And, you know, JavaScript programmers are used to just, just new it up, new yep. it up, create Junk something it. new, create something new, create something new, and not, not, uh, not so much setting to null. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really care about that. Whatever, because yeah. the page is going to be gone in a it's couple of minutes. Gone. We don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I That's was, really interesting. I was involved in a, a performance tuning that uh, we had a problem that if you keep your web, the, your, your web app open for the night, um, when you wake up, it's about three to four uh, gigabytes of memory. Holy crap. Yeah, these tabs. <laughs> yep. My browser's eating my machine. <laughs> yeah. Exactly I have an app just like that, yeah. actually. So, it runs um, for about a day, and then it blows up. Yeah. It, it took a month and a half to fix this. Wow. Uh, it, it, was, it was a huge project, but it took a month and mm. a half uh, working on it with the profiler, because the profiler it mm. looks very nice, but it's so unreadable for humans yeah it's really really hard to understand what's going on sure and so it's really just running and chasing after these small things because it's just it can be one line of code that that crashes everything right so and, i mean i said it's long-lived behavior it's not the first run through that's the issue it's after hours of running what does the stack look like now what are we accumulating over time that is that memory leak yes exactly so it's very very hard to find memory leaks even now with the Chrome with tools or any tools, I think. Right. So I think it, there is still more to do there. This could be better. Yes. Of, I, I, I but really in terms of so. chasing down long-lived page memory leaks, you like the Chrome tools the best. Um, yes, yes. And and I don't like do, do performance stuff because it's a, it's a pain. It's yeah. a pain. It's, it's not it's, easy work. Yeah. It's not easy. It's too too much going and finding this small thing that really doing this problem, this huge problem. And, yeah. and it's always like this one line that if you just change it, you change everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is probably something that they need to focus on and, and, and for the future. Um, making this more human readable because right, right now it just um, I saw um, someone from the Chrome Developer Tools uh, uh, team who, right. who writes that and and he was like yeah you can do this and you can do that and and you see what he's doing you cannot understand anything and they they read it and they leave it so they right. they understand but well, it's like the guys who can read a Windows crash dump right like, <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah. It, what is it? It's, it's like Tess Ferrandez. Tess Ferrandez, There's, there's yeah. like three people in the world that can read a day. Mark Racinovich can read one. But yeah. that's, like, that's it. That's all there is. Yeah. So it's in there. You're just not qualified to look at it. <laughs> hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yep. Time to set the first half of this show to null and new up a dumb joke. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, .NET no. Rocks is a memory leak. <laughs> <laughs> no, the hosts of .NET Rocks have memory leaks. Well, that's more of a bourbon-related issue. <laughs> yeah, tell me about that tomorrow night. <laughs> Actually, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who won today, Telerik DevCraft is the most complete .NET toolbox for web, mobile, and desktop development. With the addition of UI for Xamarin to the DevCraft bundle, you can now create compelling native mobile experiences with your C-sharp skills. Download a free trial at tinyurl.com slash devcrafttrial. Awesome, dude. So who's our winner? Today's winner is Don Rowling. Congratulations, Don. Congratulations, Don. Absolutely. He just won a big pile of awesome in the Telerik DevCraft collection from Telerik, of course. And uh, hey, if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, 
answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show, we love to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, coming up here very soon, uh, we're going to be giving away $5,000. We do this every year, worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. Mm. But, of course, you have to join to win, so this would be a good time. Yes, if you're not in already, you want to get in right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Shy, we like to ask our guests if you had five thousand US to spend on technology right now, what would you buy? So I actually thought about that. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> I um, everything today is the Internet of Things, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the next big thing. So I would like buy some things. I would. <laughs> I would like to <laughs> buy some. Uh, how do you call it? The Raspberry Pi or uh-huh. the Raspberry oh, sure. Pi? Yeah, yeah um, that I can can have thirty five dollars each, dude. So you can have a, lot, a lot, a lot of that. Pi, one hundred fifty of them. Uh, so <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> but I need. I do need more money to spend to create my transformer. Oh, I see. Ah. <laughs> so this is what I want to do. So you want self-assembling Raspberry <laughs> Pis yes. that make themselves into a robot. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, Stephen Hawking would not approve. It's fairly <laughs> terrifying, yes. You're going directly to Skynet and Terminators. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, this is what I was. Raspberry Pi, a self-assembling robot. Okay. Yeah. And I would write everything with Node.js on it. <laughs> <laughs> Node on Pi. Are you a Node fan? Not that much though. No, but I, I'm a, I'm kind of a JavaScript fan, even though it it it's a pain sometimes. Sure. But, but Node uh, is is running on the, all these these devices, small yes. devices run Node. So well, anything that'll run a JavaScript engine, yes. can run Node. Sure, exactly. So I'm I'm happy to write JavaScript on instead of C or right. something like that. Yeah, given yeah. the choice. Yes, of course I would. <laughs> but <laughs> also, Node's philosophy, this sort of minimum footprint, lends itself really well to these small devices that you could just stand up an mm. HTTP listener. You know, the minimum amount of executables that you need to make it work. That means you can stick it in almost. I mean, a Pi's not got a lot of horsepower. Yeah. It's got enough, but not a lot. You want to be really memory conservative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's amazing because if you think about it, a few years ago, if you if you told someone that uh, small devices were going to um, have JavaScript on them, right, they would look at you as a madman. Yeah, that's JavaScript right. was always this nightmarish big pig. But you know, going back to our whole Chrome versus IE thing, that's where those great JavaScript engines came from. Was that dual to make better and better executing, faster executing JavaScript? And those, the what is it, the Trident engine and the V8 engine. Yeah, we're sort of those. Those are the the secret sauce now to what's put JavaScript everywhere. Yeah, it's it's amazing that JavaScript has won. It, <laughs> it, you know, because well, we talk everything. about yeah, it doesn't Not run everything, everything but. You know, at the same time, you see Microsoft's latest announcements on putting .NET everywhere. They want and C Sharp being open source. Like it's sort of. It lends itself to this idea that there's going to be more than one language available everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yes, but that's um, Java is everywhere for yeah uh, yeah. I don't uh, know why we don't have the same groove, and maybe it's just our personal biases around Java. Maybe it's because it's owned by Oracle. It's just that, you know, <laughs> it could be, and it's not entirely open either. No, I mean. Yeah, open is a relative yeah. concept. It's a relative concept. I think yeah. JavaScript is like more cool because it's so dynamic and people 
people like doing this dynamic because you can just write something and it happens. Yes, and, and then you have to live with it for the rest of your life, and it leaks memory. <laughs> it's these Chrome tools. Yeah, then, then you have tools to, to yeah, find tools, the memory. Yeah, so you're just covering up the, you know, and, I, and I'm, I don't even teach JavaScript on that. I mean, it's a byproduct of the dynamic language. The rubies of the world, like all of these really dynamic languages, have that great strength of terse syntax to do remarkable things, but are very debug resistant yes like it takes good testing infrastructure to be able to manage that code well yes and and not a lot of testing is done i think in in the javascript world it's no. something that i think uh, it's done there are a lot of people who who do that but i think that it's not mature yet that people are all in for uh, testing in, right. in JavaScript. They're just not taking... It, and it's like JavaScript's still trying to shake off its scripting language exactly. roots to be a, quote, real language that deserves a testing harness around it. I, exactly. I, I was speaking to someone just the other day, and he said, I'm, I'm terrified of JavaScript because it's a <laughs> script language. Yeah. And, like, and, and I, I can't... Are you going to write the entire application with JavaScript? It's a scripting, it's yeah, scripting yeah, yeah. language. And then, then you see the photo editor that I showed today, and it's like, oh, that's not a scripting language. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, Applications amazing. are done with JavaScript. With I heard that Gmail, for example, has a million lines of JavaScript, <sighs> and that just gives me a million lines of anything gives me chills. <laughs> but a million lines of JavaScript—that's JavaScript. extra chilly. So, getting back to the tools, I'm I'm just looking and seeing all these amazing things like the network tab and stuff, yeah. and I'm wondering when when do I not need Fiddler? anymore i haven't opened fiddler for a long long time it's, eric lawrence uh, is sad i know i know i'm sorry eric <laughs> but, uh, but he I, sort of pioneered that whole you know yeah, looking really into yeah. looking into what's going on in the network stack i i think i think that you need fiddler for non-web stuff now right. or because the, you just don't need that anymore you can do almost anything on on chrome on the dev tools but if you really want to go deep into the uh, requests and stuff, you might need Fiddler. But mm -hmm. but to to get to see all the everything that goes through the wire, it's amazing. And and actually the network tab is is really really important. A lot of people never never even look there because most people just look at the elements, sources, sure, and consoles. Right. They're just looking at the stuff they wrote. Yes, and and network. Just a glimpse look at the network tab yep. will uh, will tell you if if you are having problems. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, are you sustaining the cookie you're supposed to? Is your post in there properly? Like, are you using gzip right. for uh, yeah. transferring stuff? And that's that's amazing because the UX of this tab is so bad, people mm. don't understand what's what's in there. Right. Yeah. So the, a lot of you can see and spot things all. Almost immediately. Sure. It's a big grid. If you don't know what you're looking for, you yeah. I highly recommend using the filter you know, yes. to just take the noise away. Yes. And and also, I recommend looking at the latency uh, mm. part. There is uh, this, I think it's called a time or download time or something like that. Right. And then there is just underneath, there are two lines there in each and every cell. And the um, line at the bottom is latency. Right. And it's amazing to see how much network latency goes uh, when you load a web page. Sure. And you understand that 
90% of the time, it's just network latency. The server is not a problem. It's right. just the network. Mm, just time it takes to get each thing. And, and so the total number of requests becomes a bigger issue than the size of each of those requests or exactly. how much bandwidth they consumed. Exactly. And and when you see this latency, it, it immediately tells you if you need to scale your application to more server right. or, or not. Well, if it's, yeah, if it's latency on a computed element, then you know, okay, some processing power would help me. But if it's latency on a static element... No compute's going to save you there, <laughs> right? Uh, maybe use CDNs, or maybe use yeah. some something else that allows you to uh, get the data uh, more quicker than yeah. than just. Uh, so does it actually build a waterfall? I don't, you know, I'm as a web test guy. That whole waterfall view of here is the page. You know, we spent this long on DNS, this long waiting for the file to transfer. This is when we started rendering. You know, that's one element. And then each element underneath that. Does it build a diagram like that? I've done um, that in, in like HTML base tools, things like that. Okay, I'm not familiar with something like okay. that, but that would be very cool. Yeah, but it's you know there, we've had other testing tools that built those things. I'm I'm a big web page test org fan, which is just a website where you type in a URL, ask it's got all the different locations you can run it from, and it basically shows you that waterfall of what it took to load that page from that location. Awesome. So this completes this latency part. Yeah, so, so it's like, hey, how what would this pay you know, this server's running in, in Los Angeles, what does it look like from London? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. just to be able to see that test remotely and say, ah, well here's the cost of the latency for oh. distance oh, as opposed cool. to the latency for processing time. Yes. That's cool. Actually, one one more thing that they added like recently is uh, they allow you to uh, change the throttling of the network. So you can say, I want to load this page as in 3G uh, network. Right. Throttling yeah. the so throttling the bandwidth. Yes. Yep. Yes. And and it's uh it's amazing to see because when you do that and you reload your page and you understand that if someone takes uh, this uh, your the phone and tries through 3G network to load the page. They will wait for like an hour to yeah. get the page. Your, your meg and a half page now really sucks. <laughs> yeah, but so it's very hard to simulate latency. I mean, you can oh. simulate bandwidth constri- constrictions, but simulating latency is tough. Yes, that that's tough. But uh, but if you have like a, a a lot of images that you rely on, yep, and each and every one of them is one megabyte in size, yeah. And you're loading it from your local PC, and you're like, it's not oh, that's that, bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, life is good. Yeah, and then you go from 3G phone. Yeah, not so good. Uh, no, no, not, <laughs> not at all. Is there, when you do your talk on using the Chrome tools, is there a, a set uh, set of tips or something that you tell people, uh, things to avoid, things to do right away? Um, yes, I do have, I do have like this very small tip, but mm-hmm. it's not actually part of. Chrome. It's just a, a general tip. Uh, it's um, like I did um, some time ago. A site that we need to needed to localize it to mm. several different languages. I think there are eleven or twelve yeah. languages. So we started with English, and with English, all the design looked very well, very nice. Mm-hmm. And then we got the Russian translation. Mm. Oh boy! And I don't know why, but Russian. Um, wars they they tend to be very very long right and the entire design was just terrible not, yeah. torn apart yeah. by yeah. all these long words too, yes. m- too many words too many uh, too many long too many words. La- long yeah. words and, yeah. and you don't have spaces so they you cannot yeah, even cut them in the half yeah. oh man so it was um, so we needed to to work and understand how we change the design but 
what you can do, there is uh, uh, this thing, it's part of the spec of HTML5, it's called Content Editable. Mm -hmm. It's actually been around for a long time, but just now it's in the spec. So you can do document.body.contenteditable equals true. Right, okay. In the console, just write that. And then everything on your web page becomes editable. So you can start writing and see, like, I don't know, go to Google Translate, take the translation, just yeah. put it there, just see what ha what's happening. Huh. And then immediately you understand, oh, that that's not good. That that's go that's way too wide or something right. like that. So that's just a small tip, but it, it wow, it's, content uh, editable. Yeah, uh, you, you'd never thought. <laughs> no, that, yeah. So it's a uh, it's a cool thing. That's just, brilliant. Yeah, just just to 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 check uh, stuff. So this is this is one thing. And what I suggest people is to really look into into how the DevTools look like because mm -hmm. there are so many input boxes there yeah. that it, you tend to just not see. Right. Uh, like a lot of filters that you can just, it will save you like seconds each time. And yeah. when they add up, you just, it, it adds up to, to hours, days, whatever. So so let's say I've, I've got this application, and I do, that uh, runs for a day and a half and then it just seems to blow up and I just can't find it. I can't debug it, right? I, I don't know where it's going wrong, but something's going wrong. And the message I'm getting is like, you know, <laughs> probably nothing to do with the actual, you know, the kind of bug. Yes. Would you recommend doing an audit at that point, maybe? Or I would recommend starting with timeline. The timeline. The timeline to spot if there are really memory leaks or or some other leaks there or or too many memory consumptions or stuff that mm. that looks suspicious. So the timeline shows you as the code is running, it shows you what's going, yes, getting exactly. called and when, exactly. sort of and like then a cross reference. And then you get these patterns that you can say, okay, this is just going up and up and up. Right. It never goes down. This uh. is a problem. So it's uh. kind of the uphill pattern, something yeah. like that. You know what's really interesting about this is I mean, you could stick this on any web page you want. Yes. So, it's, you know, if you've got some site you like hanging out on, the page keeps crawling, you know, just... Fire up the Chrome DevTools and, and watch the timeline. Watch it eat your memory and crash itself. <laughs> yes, you, you can definitely do that. It, mm. it would be probably hard to understand what's going on yeah. because the uh, files, the JavaScript files, usually minified. Minified, yeah. So it's hard, but you can actually in in Chrome um, you can have you have this uh, pretty print uh, button. Uh, yeah. It uh, it looked like two curly braces. Uh, yeah. on the, the bottom left side you mm -hmm. click on it and minified versions become so much easier to see because right. it just spans them out it, yeah it expands them and and ident uh, in the add indentations and stuff like that right so it's uh it's much easier it's still not very readable because they usually cut the the names of the variables to one single uh, character or something right. like that yeah but it's still much easier than looking like a uh, uh, 100,000 character line and understand <laughs> what's going right. on. The greatest single line of JavaScript ever written. Uh, <laughs> yeah, JavaScript one-liners. It's yes. just a single ah, app. Horrible, yeah. horrible things. But yeah, it's quite astonishing. It is. Um, but uh, one tiny um, um, tip that I can tell people uh, is that when you have colors in the DevTools, uh, the, you have this box that shows you the color. Just click on it. It's, I didn't know that uh, until like a few months ago. So you click it's, on colors? You click on the box near the color because okay. when you, uh, 
all people just click on the color and then change it, type right. and change it. Right. Um, what you can actually do, r- click on the on the um, box, oh. and then you get a, a color picker. Oh, oh okay, a color wheel. You can yes, select what you can select you the, and then change the color, and it's it's amazing. When I saw that, I was like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Web programming without a color chart or of any kind is painful. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it's well, and it just feels like this is another set of these undocumented tools. Like you just don't know that all these capables are there. So you just have to click yeah, on the it's, right it's place. hard to understand. There, there yeah, is a sure. lot of documentation actually, but it's still very crappy. Right. <laughs> um, Technical term. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. They wrote a lot of stuff. Uh, yes. There are long documents that tell you everything, but you cannot understand anything. Huh. So. You need to make a set of videos or something. Walk people through yes, like, yes, learning exactly. these tools bit by bit and taking exactly. advantage of them. But I really think that I told this in the session as well that you, we as web developers, we must master these tools because yeah. this is this is our superpower. Right. Because without that, it would take a year to do something. With that, it would take something like I don't know a month. Yeah. So this is superpower right to be able to rapidly iterate over revising this web page make it look the way you want it to work yeah render properly use the tool properly like i i I feel like i want to pop this open and just watch angular in action you know because it does so much (laughs) stuff it's hard to keep track what is this library up to it's amazing do you really want to know i really want to know is doing in there i'm that guy right (laughs) i really want to get i had to dive into the their code base oh uh, yeah and understand and just just watch the comments there it's hilarious hilarious that's funny that's hilarious just watch the comments in the (laughs) ngrod.js file there's some i think the insanity warning look for insanity insanity (laughs) warning inside ngrod i'm not kidding it's it's oh wow so and then you look at the code and you're like i understand why insanity is written there it's just crazy code crazy code really Uh, intense code is the are the Chrome Dev Tools just in the desktop edition of, of Chrome, or can you find them in a in the phone version of Chrome? You or? cannot find them on the phone, but what you can do, you can actually plug in your phone into the uh, the computer, right, and then connect to the phone. Oh, so you can debug applications fr- that run on your phone from Dev Tools on your computer. So the Dev Tools on your desktop machine are actually communicating with Chrome on the phone. Yes. And so you're actually seeing, you're able to see the rendering on the phone with the tools available to yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. And wow, that's so powerful. Th- th- it is. It is. When you do uh, development uh, on mobile phones, it's priceless. How do you set that up? Like, what do you got to do to make that work? Um, I'm not sure, actually. Is this, okay. Are you talking about this? The thing where you, the little button where you say, I want to see this in a, in a, Phone. Uh, that's, oh, a yeah, fo- that, that's, that's a phone that's, emulator. That's emulator. Yeah, the phone. You emulator. can actually plug in via USB, right? And and somehow tell it to to work directly. Right. I mean, with that's it. the main thing we need to know is that there it is possible to plug in by USB your Chrome based app on the phone yes. and use your desktop tools to manage it. That's yes, pretty exactly. go- pretty awesome. That's yeah. profound to me. Yeah, you know, it's that's huge. a constant problem you're dealing with, right? Yeah. Is trying to debug good web your web pages properly. Yeah, that that that's actually amazing. And mm. it works it works good and and this is where it's going because you must have this. But yeah. I would I would suggest running on the emulator first because the right. emulator mm-hmm. actually also when you click uh, when you do emulation for uh, a mobile phone or whatever, when you click, it actually sends a touch event, right, and mm-hmm. not a click event. So you immediately find out if you have problems with touch, right. 
So just start with that because it's probably easier to work on your desktop in, instead of your phone. Introduce directly. the phone later. Yeah. Initially, just we just fixing. try to get your responsive design to, to render properly on the phone. Emulator's good enough. Exactly. And make sure you're picking up the right events. Exactly. Like that's a good number of pieces. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then start testing on the phone itself. Well, it's, it sounds like when you want, need to debug yes. is where right. you want to yes. get the phone involved. Yes, yeah. exactly. When you have problems on the specific phone, get right. the phone and debug it. But yes. Yes, that, that's good. Ah, well, draw a broken dreams comment. Yeah, really. Uh, how about Chrome on this phone? How about Chrome on this phone? <laughs> Shy, I can't get enough of your tips. Do you have any more? <laughs> um, this is gold here. This <laughs> is gold. Um, yes, yeah, so on the Elements tab, when you um, do con Control F and okay. you want to find something on, on the, in the HTML, uh, instead of inspect element or stuff like that, that is kind of hard sometimes to find the element that you want. Right. Just you can in, when you do Control F or Command F on Mac, um, you can actually write CSS selectors there. Oh, really? So yeah, it will find anything that matches the CSS selector. So it's really handy when you know the CSS, so you don't need to go through the entire HTML. You're not scrolling around trying to find the element to select. You just use a selector based on how you named it or this class type. Exactly. I mean, any of those. Exactly. Things. And anything that is supported by CSS free is there, so right. you can just work with that. So yeah, brush uh, off wow. your CSS skills, just like Trevin told us. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should. That. If there is something in CSS you need to master, is the CSS selector. The selector. It's, yeah. it's priceless. It'll, it's priceless. And, it, and it'll actually help you with your debugging, too. Yes. Very yes. good. Shai, is there anything else that we missed that you want to uh, add here at the end of the show? No. Can you say something about OzCode? Uh, yeah, tell yeah, us about sure. OzCode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is OzCode? <laughs> so uh, in my company, we create an application, an extension for Visual Studio named OzCode. Okay. And what it does, it enhances the debugging experience. So... Uh, just like you have um, uh, tools that enhance your design time uh, uh, code, right. we try to make the same for the debugging experience. So oh. uh, this is what what we do, and we actually released the product for, like a few months ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's awesome. There, there is some guy who told me this is drugs. Uh, <laughs> so, it's crack. So... <laughs> Uh, I hope it's good. <laughs> so yeah, this is this is what we do now. So we work on it. We have a, a, an entire team working on that. Right. And we just moved to Roslyn. Uh, right. So you... and the entire thing using Roslyn. And so this is for debugging web pages. For debugging C sharp. Oh, debugging C sharp. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So just trying to make debugging a little easier to do. Um, yes. Or is it a lot easier to do? Or yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot faster and productive in debugging because we all need to do debugging. Yes. And yeah. Great. That's cool. That's awesome. Good luck with that, and uh, thanks Thank for talking to us. Thank you for having me. All right, Shy Friedman, and you heard it here on .NET Rocks. We'll see you next time. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com 
for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a 